بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين أجل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف السلام على الحسين وعلى علي بن الحسين وعلى أولاد الحسين وعلى أصحاب الحسين ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله we have to fear to continue our series on divine universal laws and last night we said that one of the laws of creation one of the general ways that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deals with human beings is that based on your choice you would receive some assistance if you really want to achieve something if you make efforts to get something then you will get some support for those who want to achieve real happiness endurable happiness eternal felicity the support is unlimited for those who want to just get something short term something for dunya there is assistance but there are some limitations because first of all this world is not without limitations it's not that everyone in this world can get everything when someone takes other people cannot take it plus there is a wise plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if it requires then Allah may intervene and stop some people from really doing bad things in dunya so it's not that Allah lets them to do everything as they like last night I recited uh, some verses of the Quran about this sunnah which we call sunnatul imdad the law of aid and support and I said I want to come back to the verses of Surat Bani Israel Surat Isra because I didn't want to rush and I wanted after getting some idea come back and reflect on these two verses which are very important A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Ar-Rajim Man kana yuridu al-ajilah Ajjalna lahu fiha ma nasha' Liman nurid Whoever wills, desires, has, whoever has irada, irada means will, means wants to get this and make some efforts. Ajalna lahu fiha. Ajala means the one which is coming fast, means dunya, because dunya is fast. And if someone wants something in dunya, Ajalna lahu fiha. We also make it fast and we hurry it for them. Fiha in dunya. But 
There are two modifiers. We will also give them fast in dunya, but what we want for those that we will. So there is assistance, but as I said, it's not that you get everything that you want, and it's not that everyone gets everything that they want. We help, but what we give is not guaranteed to be exactly what they want. Plus, it's not that everyone can get everything. But then in the hereafter, they have nothing to hope for because they only have invested on dunya. ثُمَّ جَعَلْنَا لَهُ جَهَنَّمَ يَصْلَاهَا مَذْمُومًا مَدْحُورًا Then if they have not done anything for their hereafter, they would be, of course, empty-handed. They would taste the pain of the hell and they would be blamed. وَمَنْ أَرَادَ الْآخِرَةَ وَسَعَى لَهَا سَعَيَهَا وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنَ but the one who wills the hereafter wants to have happiness in the hereafter. And makes proportionate efforts. What do you want to achieve? Because your efforts are important and efforts must be at the level of what you want to achieve. If you want to achieve D, you make certain efforts, you want to achieve C, certain efforts, and if you want to get A star, so you have to make lots of efforts. So if you want to achieve the hereafter, you have to make efforts, but proportionate to what you want to get. Of course, you have to also be mu'min, because if you don't believe, then... You can get something in dunya, but heaven is not a place for those who don't believe. They don't match. It's not that by force we can put someone into heaven. It's not like dunya. In dunya we can have a very, for example, clean room and by force put someone dirty in that clean room. But heaven is not like that. You cannot put a vicious person into heaven. If a vicious person go to heaven... He may not enjoy. Also, heaven would not be tolerating such a thing. So, they have to be mu'min. But the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains this is very, very beautiful. مَنْ أَرَادَ الْآخِرَةَ وَسَعَى لَهَا سَعْيَهَا وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنَ Allah doesn't say, okay, they go to heaven. No, he says, فَأُولَٰئِكَ كَانَ سَعْيُهُمْ مَشْكُورًا These are the people that their efforts are thanked. They are appreciated and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is grateful for their efforts. This is very honoring that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not just give something and say, okay, this is what you deserve, this is your reward, this is the return. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala treats you 
as if you have done something great and you have had a favor on him. Uh, I told uh, recently in a meeting that we had a conference in Qom and it was a conference jointly attended by Shia scholars and members of American Academy of Christian Philosophers. This is about maybe 10 years ago or more or less. And the topic was God because they were Christian philosophers and they were Muslim Shia scholars. The topic was God, a common topic. And the idea was everyone based on their own theological, philosophical traditions reflect on this topic. I gave a presentation on image of God in the Quran. And one of the things that I mentioned was that according to the Quran, among the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have Shakir and Shakur. Allah is grateful or very grateful. Shakur is Sigatul Mubalagha means very grateful. When we had break, one of our Christian friends said, this is new to me. I have not come across this concept that God is grateful. You know, we have this God is, for example, kind, is benevolent, is merciful, is generous. But he said, I have not come across this, that God is grateful. And he suggested to discuss this another time if we meet again. Unfortunately, we didn't meet again. But it was interesting for me because for me this was very obvious. Every Muslim knows that God is Shakir and Shakur. But it was interesting that someone from another monotheistic tradition found this something new. Why God is grateful and why for that person this was new? Because you don't expect God to be thanking us for the little things that we do with the blessings that he has given us. Yeah. First of all, what we do is very little plus what we do is just using his own blessings. Like for example, I give you some of my books and then you give me one of my books back. Should I thank you? Of course, in a bad society, we thank people who return their things because many people don't return. <laughs> so we say, Alhamdulillah, you are one of the people <laughs> who returns <laughs> what they borrow. But realistically, why I should thank someone he should thank me that for some time I lent him the book and now he's bringing back. But our example of and uh, our example and Allah is even much greater. Our existence, our tawfiq, everything that we have is from him. But he is so kind that if we do little good things, he says. You have done this for me, and I want to thank you. 
You have done it for yourself. And ahsantum ahsantum anfusikum. If you have done anything good, you have done it for yourself. But he says, thank you very much. Like a teacher who spends years for training, then spends days for preparation over summer works, I don't know, outside school hours works, gives you some homework, and you, then you do it, says, thank you very much. I am very grateful. Because this teacher loves you and wants to encourage you, considers what you are doing for yourself as a kind of service to himself. This is the kindness of someone who wants to educate. Another example I often use is like when your child has just started walking. So, you, you know, when they start walking, sometimes they want also to imitate adults. So, for example, you have had your table, you had your meal, and now you want to take everything back to the kitchen. Now the child wants to help you. For you, it's much easier if he just sits where he is and doesn't do anything. But you cannot say to child, you know, just sit. He needs practice. He needs encouragement. He, you know, he has to build his confidence. So he wants to come and help you by taking some of these plates. And normally they try to take also the big ones, something more, maybe more than what. What do you do? You try to escort the child so that he doesn't hurt himself, he doesn't break anything. So maybe one, two people escort the child and then you take it from him and put it, for example, on the desk. But then you start clapping and thanking, MashaAllah, you managed to bring this plate all the way from the, uh, I don't know, the living room to the kitchen. MashaAllah. So the child feels that now I have become, you know, powerful. I can do, I have helped my father, I have helped my mother. I think this is the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is grateful to what we do. We don't do any service. But Allah says, Just please reflect on this ayah. The whole night you can think about this ayah. Who we are to help him. He is Jabbaru Samawati Wal Ard. Even all human beings together along with the angels cannot help him. He doesn't need any help. But this is the way he wants to give us some kind of respect, appreciation, build confidence in us and think that you are someone important. But you should not be thinking that, yes, you are really important. After First, yes, okay, you think you are very important. But inshallah, after some time, you real, realize that you are nothing. The maximum we can be is to be an instrument for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
To be like the stick in the hand of Musa. Okay, that stick can be very proud. But not because of itself, because it has been in the hand of Musa and Musa is using that stick. But if that stick thinks that it's better than other sticks because of itself, it's a mistake. It's just enough to Musa to drop it and take another one. In one of the du'as in months of Ramadan, we say, Allahumma ja'alni mimman tantasaru bihi ladinak wala tastabdil bi ghayri. Oh Allah, please make me one of those people with whom you help your religion. And please don't replace me with someone else. I want to have the honor of helping your religion. So please, through me, help your religion. Use me as instrument. Not that I am able to do anything. Just use me. So, this is the way we really should look at our contribution. But when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is so kind that he says, I am grateful to you. Or I am very grateful. Shakur, I am very grateful. I appreciate what you do. It matters to me what you do. Even if you can do one little service, it's not going to be forgotten. Your efforts would be really appreciated and thanked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's impossible that we do even very, very little insignificant thing and Allah would not remember it and would not reward for it. It's impossible. So, this is the example of the people who want to do something really good for their hereafter. They will be also uh, thanked. Then Allah says, كُلَّنْ نُمِدُّ هَاُولَى وَهَاُولَى مِنْ عَطَاءِ رَبِّكَ We support both groups. We have created a world which is fertile, you know, imagine if you have a fertile land, fertile soil. If you put seeds of flowers, they grow. If also some unwanted plants also are there, they also grow. Because it's a fertile soil. This world is a fertile world. Everyone can get some support. Of course, for mu'mineen is unlimited. If all people of the world want to get the best, they can get it. But when it comes to the worldly things, there is limits. But in the hereafter, there is no limit. If all people of the world want to become Salman or Abu Zar or Ammar or Malik Ashdar, there is no problem. You would never be said, no, we have enough. All the seats are you know, booked. No, in that side, 
There is unlimited capacity. Not only no one would stop you, even those who are there actually help you. Yeah? In dunya, if too many people want to go to the same room, there are two problems. One is the room has limited capacity. Other is there would be a queue. You will be delayed. You have to compete each other to get into the room. But in the spirituality, the room is growing. And if all people go, there is capacity. And if more people go, there would be no queue. Actually, every person facilitates for other people to go. It's the beauty. So, on the dunya side, Leman nasha, ma nasha, leman nurid, there are two limitations, but here there is no limitation. Okay. So, alhamdulillah, we discussed about the sunnah of imdad, and also one point that I mentioned last night, and I hope uh, it was clear, one, I want to again refer to that point, is that you should not be thinking that if in dunya you don't get some of the things that you want, it's a loss. Actually, you should be worried if everything that you want in dunya, you get it. Because the more you get in dunya, means the more you are using your saving. You know, if I have a saving account, and then I just cash and take out of my saving and spend, then not that much would remain in my saving account. So, anything that happens to you in dunya and you are suffering, you are praying hard that Allah would stop for you if your du'as are not answered, if your suffering continues, don't worry too much because maybe this is better for you that it is saved for your akhirah and if everything that you want you get it in dunya be worried because then it means that you have nothing saved for Akhirah. If everything I want, I get it. I have to be worried. In the discussions about suffering, you know, I mentioned this hadith that once Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was invited to a house for a meal. Then while he was sitting there, he saw that a hen went on the wall and laid an egg, an egg dropped and stood on a nail. Imagine an, an egg, even if you want carefully to put it on a nail, it's very difficult to remain. And this hen lays the egg and drops on the nail and stops there. So Rasulullah was surprised. This man said, because he realized that Rasulullah is surprised, he said, I have never had any suffering 
No razia, no suffering, no musiba has ever happened to me. He wanted to say this as a kind of pride. Don't be surprised about this. This is too little. In our house, never anything for... He didn't mention, but I am just explaining. Nothing breaks. No one becomes ill. No problem at all. Everything is always good. I have never had any musiba. Hadith says, Rasulullah didn't wait to have the meal. Left and said, Allah has nothing to do with you. Allah has left you to him, yourself. So, it's not a sign of being favored by Allah if everything works excellent for you. No problem. No problem in family, no problem with neighbors, no problem with business, no problem with enemies, no, nothing. Everything is perfect. It means that you are put artificially in a condition that would lead to more and more forgetfulness and heedlessness. Otherwise, how is it possible that someone has no problem at all? It's impossible. Yes, there is something very important. And uh, I hope I can explain it clearly, inshallah. Please say salawat. This is very, very important uh, personal reflection for me. I hope I can explain it. You know, we sometimes wonder what should we do when we face challenges? Especially when we have some, for example, tasks, when we want to do something. Suppose, for example, you are head teacher of a school, I don't know. You are, for example, president of a community, a center. I don't know, you are an alim. You are running an organization. You face challenges. You run a business, you face challenges. What should you do? You live in a neighborhood and you face challenges. You live in a country or city, you face challenges. What should you do? It's very difficult to have one answer. But I would like to mention one important point. To be challenged is not necessarily a bad thing. Actually, for mu'minin, it can be a good thing. Just you need to make sure that you are there and you are challenged for the good reason. You know, sometimes I have put myself where I am not supposed to be. For example, I am not qualified for a job. I undertake this job. I face lots of challenges. Then I say, I have to be patient. No, who said you have to be patient? <laughs> you have to leave this job as soon as possible. You are not qualified for this job. You have not checked, is this neighborhood a good neighborhood for me? You have moved there, even maybe you purchased a house. You realize it's not a good neighborhood. You have to move. You shouldn't be patient there and suffer. But sometimes... I have 
really checked and I realized I have qualifications. Everything looked as if this is my duty and I have to do it. But you face lots of challenges. What should you do? I think here, one of the indicators, not the only one, is to see whether dealing with challenges like this is draining your spirituality or is making you more and more closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, sometimes, for example, I have become, for example, I don't know, president of a community. I am qualified, I have experience, I have sincerity. Suppose everything is there. But then I see I have to fight this person, that person, you know, sometimes do ghaybah, sometimes, you know, you know, say this person, say this, this, this. And then I see I have no time for my prayer, no, you know, good feeling. All my spiritual energy is draining, you know. So this shows that this position is not meant for me. I have to leave this position. But if you are challenged, you are attacked, but you feel you are getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this is a positive challenge. So one of the things that you have to always check, of course, sometimes you cannot understand this over days or weeks, sometimes it may take longer to, is between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, are you becoming more purified? more polished, more sincere, or it's only headache and draining you and you are, you know, even in your spirituality falling. So this is a very important point that we have to consider. So we don't want to cash everything in dunya, but also we don't want to put ourselves into unnecessary tensions and conflicts. Another point which is very, very important, and I, after many, many years, came to look at this ayah from this perspective. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that there are people that are mu'min, Amana wattaqa and they give to others a'ta these are the people that Allah says fasanu yassiruhu lil yusra amma man bakhila wastagna wa kadhaba bil husna fasanu yassiruhu lil usra If you have Iman and you give, charity is very important. Never deprive yourself from charity work. This is your right over yourself. Not Forget those who are in need of help. They are not the main beneficiary. The main beneficiary is the one who does the charity. Charity can be in different forms. It's not just money. can be time. can be advice. Whatever. What is important, of course, that part of charity is money. And Allah says, لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرْ حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا 
One of the things that charity does is makes your good work easy. Your good work, your services to Allah, to the community, become easy. So, this is the main thing. Whether we like it or not, we should face challenges and should be prepared for that. But we ask Allah not to put our challenges in our journey towards Him. Put our challenges in the way that can speed up our journey towards Him. Not challenges come between us and Allah. What do you want? You want your challenge to be between you and Allah or between you and neighbor? Between you and, I don't know, your boss or your employees, whatever. What is important is these challenges should not come on our way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Should not stop our religious activities, you know, community activities. So, a key point here is Iman and charity. If you want to avoid unnecessary challenges. But good challenges, of course, you should be welcoming. So, now we move on to some of the sunan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for believers. Sunnatul imdad, as we said, was for everyone. But now we want to mention some sunan only for the believers. And if we have time, then we mention sunan only for bad people. What laws would apply to the bad people? But first with the good people. I mention two of them quickly, but inshallah tomorrow we can come back and expand. One is that if you benefit from initial guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, something that he has given to everyone, you would be receiving more and more. The initial guidance is given to you through your intellect, your conscience, through your fetra, through revelation, okay, which is general. Every person has access to them. But if you benefit from them, put them into practice, then Allah will give you more. And when he gives you more, the beauty of it is that it can be then particular. Normally, the first type of guidance is general. You have to find out which one to apply now. But when you receive secondary guidance, it can be very, very particular and specific. What you need it for today, Allah will give you. And there is no limit for this. He can give you every day a specific guidance. Even every day, many times he can give you guidance. What should I say to this person? What should I say to that person? Whether I should do this or not, Allah would put in your heart 
what should you do? I mentioned two verses, and then, inshallah, tomorrow we will continue. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ويزيد الله الذين اهتدوا هدى سورة مريم This is فعل مزارع shows continuity Allah increases the people who are guided in their guidance. So guidance is not something that either you have it or you don't have it. No, it, there are different degrees of guidance. You may have one degree and lack a higher degree. Guidance has many levels, many degrees. We should not be satisfied that Alhamdulillah, we are guided. No. You can be more and more and better and better guided. Allah increases the guidance. In Surah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, verse 17, very similar. وَالَّذِينَ اَحْتَدَوْ زَادَهُمْ هُدًا those who were guided, those who ehteda means to benefit from guidance. Those who benefited the guidance which was provided, we increased their guidance. So this is a sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you learn tonight one point, and practice it, benefit from it. Not only you would benefit from this itself, it would facilitate more guidance coming from Allah to you. So the next thing becomes easier. So anything, even a small, that we learn, we should try to benefit from then inshallah you will get more and more another sunnah I just mentioned and inshallah tomorrow I expand, expand on both of these because these are related one of the things that Allah does with people who benefit from the initial guidance is that Allah makes uh, them appreciate and love virtues and virtuous life. They basically would understand the beauty of Iman. Every person by fitra is more inclined towards good things. Allah has inspired us to understand what is right, what is wrong, plus Allah has made us in the way that we naturally lean towards good things. But when it becomes following a religion, 
implementing a code of law resisting some of your temptations when you become a teenager or adult then that clear image that you have when you are a child that i should not tell lies i should not hurt someone here it becomes a little bit clouded why i should be religious as a child you realize that you should be honest but when you ask him you know you observe you know your religion says why i should be religious because it's now more complicated especially when you see around you there are people who don't observe these things you know one of the challenges of course it can be inshallah utilized in a positive way if you can handle it properly is to be surrounded by the people who don't believe in what you say this can be a challenge of course it can be utilized in a positive way but if you are not careful it is a challenge Everyone in the school is different. Why, you know, I should have hijab? Why I should not eat this? Why I should not do that? You know. So, one of the things that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala does is that He would not leave you just with that initial, simple, fitri understanding. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala grows in your heart your love for Iman. If you listen and come along with his initial guidance. Initially it's very difficult. Because you don't taste the beauty and sweetness of being committed to these principles. You just need to trust your parents or community or teachers or leaders. But little by little if you listen... You would see that how life is more sweet for you than the people who just were after instant satisfactions. We have this beautiful saying that "Hufatil jannatu bil makar, wa hufatil naru shahawat." Heaven is surrounded by the things that can be disliked. Like for example, if you want to get excellent result in the school, this is result. This good result is surrounded by what? Not sleeping too much, not going to every party, not watching movies. Yeah, getting good as result is surrounded by lots of makare, lots of things that you don't like. But those who fail the school, it's surrounded by lots of things that. Looks very nice, very attractive, engaging, entertaining. But the beauty is that if you go a little further, then you think that Jannah is surrounded with Lassa. And when you continue that path, little by little, you realize that actually that is surrounded with lots of pain and suffering. So the first few steps, the path to Allah is very, very difficult and boring or maybe painful. The other path is very enjoyable. But after some time, it becomes totally different. 
And if someone has tasted this experience, and you tell him, you know, can we give you something to be put in the other path? would say, never ever. As Imam Zain al says, uh, sorry, yes, I think it's Imam Zain al-Abdin. مَنْ ذَلَّذِي ذَاغَ حَلَاوَةَ مَحَبَّتِكَ فَرَامَ مِنْكَ Who is the one who has tasted the sweetness of your love? This is not what every Muslim has tasted, every Shia has tasted, every believer. No. This is what a true believer, the true servant tastes. But who is the one who tastes sweetness of your love and then looks for something else? It's impossible. One of the things that we should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these nights and days is to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us able to taste that sweetness and also help our children, our family, our community, other people also taste. This is the only thing you should do in dunya. Make people taste this love. Then everything else, they will do it themselves. If you can be a catalyst that help people taste the sweetness of love. And this can be done two ways. Please listen very carefully. One is, if they are themselves close to this, they need a little push. You help them so that they taste Sometimes they are not that close. They must see in you what tasting sweetness of love has made to you so that they would want to try. This is what mu'mineen are supposed to do. This is the meaning of being witness. Maybe a child, maybe a non-believer cannot taste the sweetness of love but he should see that this has done something great to me when he sees for example I am praying or when he sees the way I work my honesty my calmness my fairness then this is the way that through me they can see the taste of sweetness of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is what we should ask Allah inshallah in these days and nights that help us to taste this and help other people taste this. That's what we need. Tonight we remember Hazrat Qasim and it is very interesting how the very young members of Ahlul Bayt, they all had this beautiful taste of sweetness of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What we find in the members of the family of Imam Hussein salam and Imam Hassan who were in Karbala is that 
all of them had this taste, this experience. In the night of Ashura, when Imam Hussein alayhi salam informed his companions about the fact that they would be killed tomorrow and they would become martyrs, it is said that Hazrat Qasim said, وَأَنَا أُقْتَلْ Am I also going to be killed? Maybe because he was still very young, he thought that men are going to be killed. I don't think anyone could imagine that they would have no mercy even on teenagers, on a, even, for example, little baby. It's, what they did was unheard. So he thought maybe he's not going to be killed. And I am sure never they imagined that Ali Asghar is going even to be killed. فَأَشْفَقَ عَلَيْهِ Imam Hussain alayhi salam, when he was asked this question, he was very uh, concerned about his nephew. He has full of, his heart is full of love. And even talking about his martyrdom is very difficult for an uncle, especially when your nephew is under your care. And in order to examine Qasim alayhi salam, and perhaps in order for history to know about this, so that me and you today can le- take lessons from this, Imam asked him a question. Yabna akhi, kayf al indak? And I am amazed how calm was Imam Hussein alayhi salam in that night to ask this question. You know, it's like a classroom that Imam is training every person carefully and letting them bring out their potentials and show their beauties that they have already got. My nephew, my dear nephew, how is death in your opinion. Normally, people after certain age start thinking about death. Some people never think about death. But even many normally when our beards become white, you know, our hairs become white, maybe we start thinking about death. But for a teenager... To be thinking about death and then having come up with this equation of death is exceptional. He right away said, means it was, he was ready to say this answer. Means he had this equation in his mind. Ya am ahla min al-asal. If we don't know anything about Hazrat Qasim, just this instant answer to Imam Hussein is enough to know what a great person we are dealing with. 
He didn't say, it's easy, it's okay, I am going to tolerate it, I don't mind. Inshallah, Allah is going to give me sawab. No. He said, for me, this is sweeter than honey. The most natural, comforting and healing sweetness is in asal. Shifa. There is healing in asal. It's not something bad, something artificial. Asal is... But he says, death to my taste is more sweet than honey. This is what I said, that even children of Ahlul Bayt had experienced sweetness of meeting Allah, talking to Allah, liqa'ullah. Then, after that, Imam salam confirmed that, yes, you would also be killed, but but after you would be tested with a big calamity, your death would not be easy. I have selected some of the things in Maktal and inshallah by remembering these moments, last moments of the life of Hazrat Qasim, I hope inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would help us and our youths, inshallah, to follow the same path. As-salamu alayka ya Abu Abdullah There is a big distance between these two words. We don't know how far we are from Imam Hussein. أبداً ما بقيت وبقي الليل والنار ولا جعله الله آخر العهد مني لزيارتكم السلام على Narrator says, Wahuba Kulamun Sagir Lam Yablogel Hulom. Qasim was still a very young man who was not yet mature. Falamma Nadara Ilayel Hussein. Eatanakahu Wajala Yabikian. 
this young person in physical age, but in maximum of understanding, went to Imam Hussein salam and wanted to ask for permission. But as soon as Imam looked at him, embraced him, before Qasim saying anything, Imam embraced him. Then they both started crying. They cried so hard that both of them went unconscious. ثم استأذن القلام للحاب. Then after that, Qasim alayhi salam asked Imam Hussein for permission. فأبأ عن الحسين أن يأذن له. But Imam Hussein, who very quickly gave permission to Ali Akbar, his own son. Refused to give permission to Qasim. What did Qasim do? Did he say, okay, I asked my Imam for fight and he didn't give me permission? No. فَلَمْ يَزَلِ الْقُلَامِ يُقَمْبِلُ يَدَيْهِ وَرِجْلَيْهِ وَيَسْأَلُوا الْإِذْعَدَ then Qasim started kissing hands of Hussein. Even the narrator said he started kissing the feet of Hussein. And put the mom in a situation that the mom couldn't say no anymore. So he got permission to go for the battle. But when he was going to the battle, فخرج دموعه تسيل على خدي. His tears were coming down to his cheeks. Perhaps he was so happy and excited that tears of joy were coming because he is going to taste honey of death. وهو يقول إن تنكروني فأنا ابن الحسن. سَبْتُ النَّبِيَ الْمُصْطَفَى وَالْمُؤْتَمَنِ If you don't know me, if you don't recognize me, I am introducing myself so that you know whom you are killing. I am the son of Hassan, grandson of the Prophet. هَذَا حُسَيْنٌ كَالْأَسِيرِ الْمُرْدَانِ and this is Hussein, my Imam, my uncle, that you are treating him like a captive. The narrator says, His face was like moon shining. After he had his battle, then the enemy is in a moment that he wanted to fix his shoe, attacked him. <laughs> and Qasim salam fell down. But he was so much loving Imam Hussein salam that at that moment said, Ya Allah, 
Oh, uncle, maybe he wanted to see if he can see his uncle one more time. And when Imam Hussein salam heard this, the narrator says, Imam Hussein, like a falcon, went very quickly towards Ghasim so that maybe he can see Ghasim before his soul departs. Then Imam salam said, Ya'izzu wallahi ala ammika anta du'uwahu fala yujibuk. Oh Qasim, by Allah, it's very, very difficult for your uncle that you call him, oh, he, you call him and he cannot answer. Oh, yujibuka fala yu'inuka. Oh, he answers, but he cannot help you. Then the narrator says, Imam salam carried Qasim. And we said, he said, we wanted to see what is Hussein going to do. What wants Hussein to do with the body of Hussein? Then with difficulty, Imam carried the body of Ghasim and brought the body near the body of other martyrs of Ahlul Bayt. <laughs> then Imam with a heart full of pain said, Allahumma ahsim adada waqtulum badada wala tuqadir minhum ahada. Oh Allah, please you yourself take care of these enemies. Allah la'natullah ala al-qawm al-zalimin wa sayya'lamu al-lazina zalamu ayyamun qalabin yanqalabun O Allah, please send your salutations to Muhammad and all Muhammad Please in these days and nights forgive all our sins and mistakes and shortcomings Please enable us to taste sweetness of your love, sweetness of prayer, sweetness of serving. Please make our Imam Zaman happy and pleased with us. Please answer his du'as for Faraj. Please include us among the people that whose actions would be making Imam Zaman happy. Please give shifa to all people who are ill. Please give shifa to illnesses that we might have in body or mind or heart. Please send your Rahman maghfira to all people who have rise upon us, especially our parents and foreparents and teachers and ulama and martyrs. Please make Muslims and believers in you in all corners of the world dignified and successful. Please make the last moment of our life the best moment of our life. Wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.